0: five. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I was working on my sermon for tonight and then realized it's actually like three sermons in one. (coughs) So so, uh, I'm going to do you all the favor of breaking that up a little bit. And so I'll preach the introduction tonight and then uh, next week or as the Lord directs, you'll get the, the meat of the message. <clears throat> but 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, familiar verses. Let's read them together, shall we? The Word of God says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. that are. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this truth. Lord, it's a hard truth, but it's one that we have to know. We have to know we're in the midst of a spiritual battle. We have to know that we have an adversary. And Lord, we're going to learn about the weapons of his warfare, the weapons of our warfare. But Lord, tonight... Just give us a reminder of who this adversary is and his goals for every human so that we may uh, be able to fight well against him and his wiles. I pray you'd speak through me. Give me only the words for this evening. And Lord, thank you for the the folks that have been faithful today. Thank you for those watching online. Thank you for this dear man who was born again. got his salvation nailed down uh, this evening. And Lord, I'm glad that you're still working, you're still saving. We know you are, and we trust you to keep doing it. But now, Lord, we have to protect uh, ourselves and others from this spiritual predator. And we ask that you'd give us wisdom to do so. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, this sermon was going to be about the satanic tools of Satan in spiritual warfare, Satan's tools in spiritual warfare. There's ten tools from the Scripture. The Bible says that we're not ignorant of his devices. We need to know. And that actually came out of, uh, a few weeks ago, God gave me a message about ten weapons of our warfare. The Bible says our warf- warfare uh, weapons of warfare are not carnal, but spiritual. And so, but I'm kind of working backwards. So before I give you our weapons, we have to learn about his weapons, so we know what we're fighting. And then before we do that, the introduction of that was just giving us a little bit of a reminder about this predator or our adversary. And so these verses are familiar to all of us. The warning to be sober, uh, to be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, the devil. Now we know that the devil is God's adversary, We know that the devil is Christ's adversary, but I wonder if you've really thought lately about the fact that Satan is your enemy. I mean, he's your personal enemy. He is fighting you. And if he's allowed to, he will destroy you. And he'll destroy your marriage, he'll destroy your children, he'll take everything that's good about you and strip it from you and leave you an empty husk. That's what Satan does. He's a destroyer. He's a liar and a murderer. And he has been since that day he was lifted up with pride and cast out of heaven. So we're not going to give you the biography of Satan from Ezekiel and Isaiah. But we know that he is the enemy. Satan is a predator. He has an endless appetite for destruction. He's never full. He's like a fire. He's never full. He's like a dry ground where there's been drought and all cracked and dry. It'll just take water and take water and take water. Try to turn the desert into luscious green fields. This is never enough. And Satan is a predator that's never hungry. He's never tired. He's never full. He never gets bored with destroying God's people. And he stalks the people of God seeking to destroy them. Look at the verse again. Be sober. Be vigilant. We're not going to go into the etymology of those words, but you better, hey, pay attention. Pay attention. Don't go to sleep on this guy. Don't forget he's there. Don't get lazy. Don't get casual. As one preacher said, if you become casual, you'll become a casualty. Then he says, because your adversary, the devil, not mine, the apostle Paul says, yes, he's my adversary, but he's your adversary as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So the Bible likens a lion Likens the devil to a lion stalking a herd of wildebeest on the savannah. Like the lion, Satan looks for an advantage to catch the easy prey. The injured prey is an easy meal. The prey that gets away from the safety of the herd is an easy meal. And Satan looks for those, look at the verse again, seeking whom he, what's the next word? May devour. may devour. You know, Satan can't just devour anybody. He can't just devour you unless you let him. He's looking who he may devour. Yo, know, Satan's a defeated foe. And every victory Satan's ever won was given to him on a silver platter by God's people. Do you know Satan couldn't destroy Israel? But Israel could destroy herself. Did you know that churches have divine perpetuity? Satan can't destroy a church. A church can't be murdered, but it can commit suicide. Church can kill themselves. And so Satan's looking who he may devour who is in a position of weakness? Who has gotten out from under the protective umbrella of God's word and God's will? Who can he poke and provoke and find this weakness that he can exploit? Satan is a predator. And he's seeking you and me. The word devour in this verse means to drink down or to gulp entirely. It has the idea of eating something in one swallow. And you know, oftentimes when people are destroyed by Satan, it looks oftentimes like such a shock. It just happened so fast. How did that marriage blow up? It happened so fast. How did that person get out of church? It happened so fast. Oh, but dear friend, the truth is it never happens Fast because though it may look fast on the inside, there's been a lot going on on the outside. It looks fast, there's been a lot going on on the inside. One of the root words, the Greek root words of this word, katapino, which means to drink down, it's a, a root word that talks about sucking something dry. And it's interesting to me if you observe the spiritual world. Oftentimes, Satan will play with his food. And oftentimes, once he gets his jaws in someone, he will begin sucking them dry before he finally swallows them in a gulp. He robs them of their potential, of their promise, and even of their person as he destroys them. Satan is always seeking an advantage, we find in this verse. He's probing for our weaknesses. He will press different parts of our lives until we respond unbiblically. Think about the last time you went to the dentist and the dentist is looking for a cavity. What does he do? He gets that pointy thing and he just starts poking around in there. And whenever he pokes something and you go, he goes, oh, yeah, there's a cavity. So what's he do? He pokes on it more. And then you feel that things start sticking in there. And you feel that, oh yes, yeah. he just found a spot that needs attention. And Satan is much that way where he pokes and prods in our lives. Satan is not omniscient like God. He does not know everything like God. He does not have access to our innermost thoughts and feelings like God. But what he does do is he studies us. Like a lion who studies the herd watching in the tall grass for hours waiting to see which one looks most vulnerable. He pokes and prods like the dentist looking for a weak spot, and whenever he pokes it and we respond unbiblically, he knows that's an area where we're weak, so he begins to press more and press harder. The Bible says in verse 8 again, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about, seeking who he may devour. He's always looking. He's always pressing. He's always studying, trying to find an advantage. And when he finds one, he presses his advantage, attacking our weaknesses relentlessly until we either turn to God and get it fixed or we are swallowed and devoured. Our only hope of victory is to live by faith and daily walk in the power of the Lord. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Familiar passage of scripture about spiritual warfare. I just want to remind us all tonight, we're in a battle. If things are going good, you're in a battle. If, if things are pretty comfortable, you're in a battle. Matter of fact... It's more dangerous when you're comfortable and everything's going well sometimes than it is when you're in the midst of the battle. Because after someone walks up and punches you in the mouth, they sucker punch you, now you know you're in a fight. Now you, you got your guard up. And Satan loves to sucker punch. He never fights fair. But thankfully we have protections given from the Lord. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in your intellect. Oh, that's not what it says. Be strong in your character. That's not what it says. Be strong in the Lord. Folks, when you're going up against the devil, you have no chance without God's help. You have no chance. No chance without God's help. But thankfully, Jesus is like that older brother on the playground. Somebody comes and starts picking on you. They may be able to beat you up, but then big brother shows up. They ain't beating him up. And Jesus is there to fight our battles as we rely on him and trust him. If we are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Of course, we could do a study on the whole armor of God. We don't have time for that this evening, but we've preached sermons on it and written articles on it, what it means to put on the whole armor of God. But why do we do that? That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil. What's the word wiles mean? Wiles is the Greek word "methodia." Does that sound like any word you know? Methodia, method, against the methods of the devil. But it goes a little bit deeper. It literally means crafty schemes. Satan has a well laid plan to take you down. Now, he's got plans for all of God's people and for all everybody on the earth but he's got a specific plan for you. He studied you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your besetting sin. He knows what buttons to push. He knows where you're vulnerable and when you're vulnerable and how you're vulnerable. And he waits. And he waits. And maybe you're strong today, but will you be strong tomorrow? Will you be strong next week, next month, next year? I heard an old evangelist say when I was just a young man, I've never forgot it. He said, Satan is patient. He will wait 30 years to get you to fall. And how many people do we know that serve the Lord faithfully 10, 20, 30 years, and then they end up blowing it, they end up getting out of God's will? Folks, we've got to be serious about this thing. We've got to be sober. We've got to be vigilant. There's there's no age that you reach. There's no spiritual level that you attain where you can stop reading your Bible and praying and practicing uh, standards of holiness and righteous living because Satan is just waiting. Satan has two main goals for every life. This is the crux of the message this evening, what was going to be my introduction. We'll make it the message. Satan has two main goals for every life. The first goal he has for every life is damnation. Damnation. Satan knows that the wages of sin are heavy upon every sinner. Revelation 21, 8, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Satan is so wicked and he's so evil that he wants to take as many people to hell with him as possible. He's the ultimate sore loser. And if he can't win, he'll try to hurt as many people as he can on the way out. Now Satan knows God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in order to rob God of his prize, and in order to rob man of heaven, He'll drag every one of them to hell if he can. Now he's got the advantage because they're condemned already. John chapter 3, verse 18 tells us he that believeth on him is not condemned, speaking of Christ. Condemned means reserved for destruction. So if you believe in Christ, you're not reserved for destruction. You're born again, you're reserved for heaven. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Folks, since Jesus died on the cross, we don't have to argue about which sin is worse. The truth is, the only sin that's really going to matter in the end is the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ. I'm not as bad a sinner as that guy over there. It doesn't matter if you reject Christ, you're condemned already. And it's not good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell, as some religions teach. No, it's people that trust Jesus go to heaven and people that don't trust Jesus go to hell. It's just really that simple. So, Satan wants everybody to face this damnation with him, he wants all of them to be tortured for eternity. He knows that the wages of sin is upon every unregenerate sinner. He knows that Christ is the Savior. They're, they're condemned already, but man, if they trust Christ, he's going to lose out. He's going to miss his goal. So what does he do? As a result, Satan works overtime to blind sinners from the glorious gospel of Christ. and We learn that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. In whom the God, little g of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Why? Why? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We just talked about this in detail on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago when we talked about how to pray for lost sinners, how to effectively pray people to Jesus. And we know that Satan works overtime trying to blind and harden the minds of sinners. Why? Because he doesn't want them to be saved. He so desperately wants to keep every person from being saved. And he employs, he uses these tactics, these tools, these tricks, these weapons that we're going to talk about next week to accomplish this goal. Satan wants to take everybody to hell with him, he can. Let me just encourage you tonight, if you're listening to this and you're not born again, you are literally one heartbeat away from eternal damnation. You are literally... Being held out of eternal torment by the God you defy. The old sermon sinners in the hands of an angry God. The only thing keeping people out of eternal hell right now is the grace and mercy of the very God they despise. That they disbelieve. That they curse. That they mock. And Satan loves to have it that way. Well, Satan has two main goals for every life. Number one is damnation. He wants to take you to hell. But thanks be to God, Jesus is still saving people. Amen. Thanks be to God, any t- anybody, anytime, anywhere can put their faith in Jesus Christ and be born again. Hey, I'm glad you don't have to climb to the top of a mountain in, in Nepal to get saved. I'm glad you don't have to give a certain amount of money to get saved. I'm glad you don't have to become a certain proselyte of a certain religion in order to be saved. I'm glad that it's by simple childlike faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is enough to save a soul. Matter of fact, it's not only enough, it's the only way. Someone can be saved. Not Jesus plus works. Not Jesus plus baptism. Not Jesus plus church membership. Jesus, only Jesus. And as a child believes anything you say. You know, If you tell a child there's a monster under the bed, they'll believe you. And God does say that for a disciple, there is benefit in being a Berean to take what you hear and and compare it to the Word of God. There's benefit to that. But dear friend, if you want to go to heaven, the only way is to become like that child. Where God says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And you believe it. Aren't you glad that's what it took for you to be saved? Folks, if I had to save myself, I'd never be saved. If we had to keep ourselves saved, we'd lose our salvation a thousand times a day. But thanks be to God, we are saved and kept by the power of God. So for those in this room who've been born again, those who are watching that have been born again, Satan failed in his first goal. He can never take you to hell because you've been born again. You're a new creature in Christ. I was talking to one of the men of the church, and we were texting back and forth, and he said, I'm arguing with a guy online about, he thinks you can lose your salvation. And the man in our church said, so I I used 2 Corinthians 5.17. You become a new creature in Christ. And so he said, he asked the man, he said, so you believe you become a new creature in Christ, and then when you sin, you're no longer a new creature. And then you get saved again, you become a new creature, and then you sin, you're no longer a new creature. And the man online said, that's what I believe. And so the, the man in our church, he texted me and said, I've, I'm starting to call this werewolf Christianity. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, you look normal, you're born again, and then sin comes out, and you lose your salvation, and then you trust Jesus, and oh, you're, you're, you're normal, and then sin comes out, and you lose your salvation. It's like, does that make sense to anybody? I want to preach a sermon, well, well, Werewolf Christianity. But folks, I'm thankful that's not the way it works. I'm thankful that we can be born again and we become the eternal children of God by His grace and mercy. So if Satan can't fulfill his first goal for your life, which is damnation, he immediately switches to his second goal for your life, destruction. See, the devil can't take away your eternal life, but he can destroy this one. Now, he can only do it with your permission, but it's amazing how many people turn over this life to the evil one. Since the believers escape damnation through the glorious gospel of Christ, Satan changes his goal. Now all of his evil efforts are poured into destroying the believer. And Satan seeks to devour us in an attempt to stop us from fulfilling the Savior's purpose and bringing God glory. The life that should be accomplishing the work of God now is paralyzed and broken as the life is being sucked out of them. All the potential, all the promise, being sucked dry by the evil one. That's what 1 Peter 5.8 is about. Be sober, be vigilant. This is written to Christians. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Folks, if you and I get away from God, we can get devoured. I'll say this, it's not we might get devoured, we will be. All of us know people who used to be close to God, and today they're not, and their lives are nothing like they used to be. And they might even say, oh, my life's better than it ever has been as you see their life falling apart around them. Almost in an attempt to make themselves feel better. My friend, if you ever find yourself in that position, the right response is to repent. Repentance and forgiveness. You come back to God like that prodigal. Don't don't tell everybody how nice the pig pen is. Don't tell everybody how much fun you had spending all the money, how much freedom there is in the pig pen because you don't have to work in daddy's fields and daddy's not watching over you and daddy was a legalist and daddy expected too much as you're eating the slop covered with the slime and filth, living with the hogs. The right response is to come to yourself one day and say, I had it better in daddy's house. And I may not be worthy to be a son, but I'll go home and be a servant. He humbled himself and went back home. But what he didn't know is daddy had been looking for him all the time. And what you find when you draw nigh to God, James 4, 8, is he draws nigh unto you. you. You feel so far away from God, in some ways you are. But when you turn back to God, he's right there. He's right there waiting. Why in the world would you live another moment, another, another day, another hour in the pig pen? Why be like Pharaoh? that the, the land is covered with frogs, frogs in the cupboards, in the fridges, everywhere, frogs everywhere. And he begs Moses, and, and he, Moses said, fine, I'll take him out. When do you want me to take him out? And the Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Well, why in the world would you wait till tomorrow? Why spend one more moment with the frogs? Dear friend, if you ever get away from God, I mean, if it's, a, if it's a millimeter or you feel like it's a thousand miles, if you ever get away from God, the answer is the same. Repent! Beg forgiveness. Humble yourself. Come home to Daddy. He'll receive you. You might have some scars. You'll have some bruises. But why live another moment with the hogs? Satan's got a purpose to devour. Look at Luke 22. Luke chapter 22. Jesus warned Peter He warned Peter. Satan has desired to have you. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. Think about that, to possess you. Satan wants to possess you. I'm not talking about demon possession, I'm talking about control under the thumb. Satan wants to possess you. He wants to imprison you. He wants to have you. Why? That he may sift you as wheat. The sifting process is very simple. The fruit of the wheat would has a little husk on it, and inside is the wheat germ, and outside there's an inedible husk. And they would go out in the wind, and they would beat these things, and they would actually put them on... Uh, these baskets, and they would lift them up in the air. And as after they beat them, they would lift them up and kind of toss them in the air, and the wind would blow the light, unusable husk away, and they would just be left with that wheat germ. And what what Jesus was saying is Satan's desire to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Satan wants to steal everything good about you, Peter, and leave you like an empty husk. And oh, I've known a lot of empty husks. I've known a lot of people who were on the bad end of that sifting. Now thankfully, if you bring your empty husk to the Lord, He can remake it and refill it. (laughs) Some of you were at one time an empty husk, but now people look at you and you look like a fruitful vine. Oh, that's the miracle of the Lord. But some people choose to stay the husk. And it breaks my heart when all they got to do is come home. Satan's desired to have you. That he may sift you. Satan has all these goals for humanity. Damnation. If he can take you to hell, he will. If you get saved, destruction. He'll do everything he can to destroy your life, ruin your testimony, paralyze you from Christ's service. But I want to remind you that he has a specific scheme to destroy your life. Say, does Satan know who I am? I believe he does. I believe he knows who you are. And he has a plan to... Destroy you. He studies us to learn our weaknesses and exploit our destruction. What do we do? A wise Christian will study himself or herself to learn their weaknesses.